Good morning, everyone. If we haven't met before, I am Gareth, and I'm in my final year of being ordained. And we're in week six of looking at the book of James. And for those who have not been able to join us or are new, we're exploring what it means to be a community of followers of Jesus, who inspire those around us to follow Jesus as well. In the last five weeks, we've covered topics like the characteristics of a Christian life, the relationship between faith and action, why we have to act justly in society, the necessity of heavenly wisdom and why we should submit to God. And today I'd like us to consider why we need to place God at the centre of our lives. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to James chapter 4 and we're going to read from 13 through to 5 verse 6. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that, spend the year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone knows how to do good, they ought to do it, and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. So Father, your word declares that we can do nothing without you. And I pray that your words become mine. Allow us to receive from you today by opening our hearts. Let your word be seed planted in our hearts which bears fruit. Amen. Before we examine the scripture, it's important that we understand who the author was and the journey he went on before he wrote this letter. See, James was the half-brother of Jesus. But despite being Jesus' half-brother and witnessing and hearing all of Jesus' miracles, James refused to believe. He refused to listen to him and he refused to follow him. He honestly believed that Jesus was insane and he sought to stop him from what he was doing. He was not interested in hearing what Jesus had to say. According to the account, James and his family arrived at a location where Jesus was teaching, but they refused to enter. Instead, they, went, they sent someone else in to call Jesus out so that they could intervene and stop him. However, an encounter with the resurrected Jesus changed his life forever. And this experience changed his life and set him on a different journey. And for so many of us, this has been the experience. Our lives and goals were changed when we met Jesus. He became a man of prayer. His nickname was Old Camel Knees, devoting himself to scripture and the teachings of Jesus. He became a part of the church's ministry when they were caring for and looking after new believers as the church in Jerusalem grew. And he eventually rose to become one of the most influential leaders in Jerusalem and was described as a peacemaker and a pillar of faith. Therefore, in James chapter 1, verse 1, we meet James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. His heart has been changed and he's now taken on the role of a father figure for the Jewish Christians who lived outside of Jerusalem. 
And the church is going through a difficult time. They've experienced incredible growth, but now they are going through a great persecution, which has seen Stephen and James, the brother of John, martyred. They've seen friends and family thrown into prison and loved ones murdered. The church has been scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, and there was a great famine that led to a great poverty in the region. See, they are a group of people that have been rejected by their families. They've been rejected by a society in which they are now living. And James is helping them to understand how to live this Christian life out. He tells them that Christianity is a way of life and that they are called to live in a way that is different from the rest of the world so that they might be witnesses to those around them. And although today's reading is divided into two parts, they both arrive at the same theme. Where does God fit into your life? And we must keep in mind that this book was written by James who for so long refused to let Jesus into his life. He lived with Jesus, but his plans were dramatically different from Jesus. And for this reason, James understands probably more than most people why Jesus must be included in our daily lives. In chapter 4, verse 13, he starts with the words, Come now, pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. Where does God fit into the plans of your life? And that is a question we have to ask ourselves. They were a people who have decided where they will go, when they will go, how long they will go for. They know the outcome as well. They know they're going to make money and they know they're going to be rich. It was a culture a little like today's with people travelling the world in search of financial gain. And their purpose was to generate money. And they were doing exactly that. Doing what the rest of the world was doing them. And James is telling them to stop for a moment. He's not telling them it's wrong to make plans or to think about the future, but he's reminding them that they are leaving God out of their plans and he's urging them not to do it. See, their plans were being shaped by what was happening around them and not by God. And it was tough. We get a glimpse of what it might have been like for them, having seen them flee Jerusalem when we see the news of all that is happening in Ukraine. And we can well imagine these early Jewish Christians leaving their homes and trying to establish new lives in often hostile environments. And because of dislocation, some of them lost their way. And James warns his people that they have no idea what will happen today or tomorrow. And that is a fact that remains true today. No one saw COVID coming, let alone everything that was going to happen because of it, as we've all witnessed over the last two years. It started nearly two years ago and it was Michelle's birthday and we were planning to go to the theatre to see a concert when everything abruptly closed. We then received the dreaded email from the school to say your children can no longer attend school and you need to teach them from home. And I recall going to Sainsbury's one morning and seeing people fighting for toilet paper and being told that I could only exercise once a day. And it's possibly even more real now with all that we see taking place in Ukraine and last year in Afghanistan. Life is fragile and we don't know what will happen tomorrow, such as disease, death, war or the return of Christ himself. And James implored them, don't leave God out of their plans. And that message is the same for us today. And some of you may be experiencing uncertainty in your lives. And it's so difficult when that happens. Prior to my training, I worked for a charity called Ambassadors Football and we were having some difficulties. A few years ago, our manager suddenly resigned. Staff were made redundant because we were struggling financially. Then we managed to hire a new manager. His name was Versi, 
who was a wonderful man who loved God and the team's excitement began to rise again and we began planning and preparing for tomorrow. And I recall being with him at the beginning of the week and then receiving a phone call from the UK director on Friday morning telling me that Versi has passed away. It left us in complete shock and drove home that even more that how fragile life is. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. And when terrible tragedies from personal things in our own life or to large scale things that are taking place in Ukraine, it's difficult to often wonder where is God? Why is God allowing this to happen? And why doesn't God intervene? We have to hold on to hope by bringing God into our plans, because even under the most challenging of circumstances, there is hope. And we hold on to those big future promises that are found in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says, now we see these things imperfectly, like confused reflections in a mirror, but later we shall see everything with perfect clarity. Revelation tells us he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And that's why we have to make God the centre of everything we do, because we're looking forward to what is to come. So in times when you don't know what to do, do what James did. Start with prayer. After Jesus died, there were 120 people assembled in the upper room, terrified, perplexed and unsure of what was going to happen. All their plans had changed from what they thought was going to happen, but they met together continuously and prayed. Life is fragile. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. And when unexpected things happen, we need to be walking with one another through it. Secondly, we need to bring God into our plans because it aids us in evaluating our plans from a biblical and ethical standpoint. Are my plans in accordance with what God is saying? Scholars are divided as to whether James is addressing the church members directly or exposing the lifestyle of those who live outside the church as a warning to the church members. Whoever he is speaking to, he is sending a serious message that condemns wealth, that ignores God's commands to love your neighbour as yourself. See, James is pursuing wealthy landovers. Their ruthless land exploitation was affecting the most vulnerable. At the time, there was a famine and widespread economic suffering. And the wealthy were purchasing the land and forcing farmers to work on their terms. Terms that boosted their fortune so they could hoard their money and live an extravagant lifestyle. But which cheated and oppressed the most vulnerable people in society. Again, he's not criticising people for being rich, but rather how they spend their money and how they treat those who are most vulnerable. And this is a concern that James raises several times throughout these chapters. And throughout the Bible, we see God's concern for the poor. He's constantly reminding the Israelites to look after and protect those who are the most vulnerable. But it didn't happen, and the poor were regularly oppressed and exploited by affluent, powerful office holders and landovers. And these defenceless people have cried out to God and God has heard their cries. So we have to ask ourselves this question as well. What treasures am I pursuing? Am I hoarding wealth? Am I cheating people so that I can live a life of luxury? Am I loving my neighbour the way God intended me to? God wants us to do the things that look after the most vulnerable people in society. You know, if we pursue earthly treasures, it will draw us away from God. 
So what do we do? We have to see Jesus. James's life was transformed when he met the resurrected Jesus. It radically changed the way he lived his life out. In Luke 19, Jesus is passing through Jericho. A man named Zacchaeus was there who hoarded wealth and lived an expensive lifestyle. And in doing so, he was oppressed in the poor. But when he heard Jesus was passing through, he wanted to see him. We must take time out of our day to see Jesus. And Jesus told Zacchaeus, I want to come to your home. And at once Zacchaeus welcomed him in. Jesus wants to come into our lives. He won't force himself in. It's up to us to welcome him in. To welcome him into every area of our lives. People objected to Zacchaeus and began to say he's gone to sit in the house of a sinner. And likewise, the devil will do everything he can to make us feel like Jesus shouldn't be allowed into our lives. But it doesn't matter what is going on or how much of a mess we are. Jesus wants to come in. And when he came into Zacchaeus' life, he began to address some of the mess that was in his life and how he was treating those most vulnerable. And we see the incredible response of Zacchaeus, who agrees to pay back all of whom he had cheated. And so we need to be willing to allow Jesus to change those areas in our lives where God isn't number one and we are not loving our neighbour. See, James's life was shaped by prayer. His life was shaped by being a part of a church community. And his life was shaped by looking after the most vulnerable. But most importantly, James's life was shaped by Jesus because he included him in all his plans. So I want to encourage you today to do the same thing. Like James, we need to align our plans with Jesus. And that includes prayer, submission, and looking after the poor. So I'm going to close with a prayer. Father God, we thank you that you want to come into every area of our lives. So we just want to open our hearts to say, come in and just work in our lives. So our plans become your plans. In your name. Amen.